2: back to Tom and Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and Uh,
1: Big news from the sports world. We mentioned this actually in the handoff. John Madden, of course, passes away at the age of 85. How old were you when he retired? Bach. Were you a...
3: Uh, Wait, you when see- did he
1: retire? 2000- 2006, I think he, after the Super Bowl, the Steelers and the Cardinals.
3: Yeah, I think, uh, so I was like 16.
1: Uh, so you got a good glimpse. You knew what oh, Madden Oh, yeah.
3: Was. Oh, I loved Madden and Summerall. Especially, he went to Michaels for more of my... I you guess. were,
1: uh, I was, see, that's the number one pairing in football history, is Summerall and Madden. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then he went to Michaels, and he was still good. I mean, yeah. he, he was, in fact, he, he was... He worked at all the, the he the yes, affiliates CBS, Fox, yeah. ABC, he, he NBC, everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, um, and he was he became football. I mean, uh, he always was in the AFC Championship, and then they would lose. They would let the immaculate immaculate reception, uh, incredible because they should have won that. Batted out of the air, Franco Harris catches it, yeah. runs it in. Uh, then finally he wins, and of course it's at the expense of my Vikings uh, <laughs> Super Bowl eleven. But so that was a great team. It, feel like the, it felt like the Vikings were always losing to the best teams of all time, whether it was the Raiders or the Dolphins or the Steel Curtain. Uh, but Madden was and will remain football. I mean, I can't see his legacy going anywhere for a long, long time.
3: No, and sometimes you know you throw words like icon around, and, and maybe it yeah. shouldn't be as much. But Madden was an icon, and he is an icon. I mean, you think about the history. Sometimes you just need to take a step back uh, and look at human history. Okay, the, the human history, of football, and mm-hmm. just the, one of the first name that pops up to you is going to be John Madden. One of the, I mean, the name uh, that, especially, I mean, the, the video game series. Right. I mean, there's no, there's there's no video game series for basketball or baseball uh, that right. has so connected to Madden. I mean, the foot, uh, the sport of football, um, is just it's so connected to him and it, it it's it's obviously sad to see him go but great to see him live you know a long uh and plentiful life and of, of all the things that he was able to do let's bring in chris bastion of the lincoln journal star Where's madden
1: ranked for you as far as announcers all time
2: oh yeah he's he's at the top he's you know i and he was he was a coach obviously kind of before my time so i know him as an announcer and from the video games and all that but you know one of the one of the greatest of all time, one of the, maybe, maybe the most important figure in the history of the NFL or, and it's, that's saying something when you think about the history of the sport and the, and the people that have been through there. So, yeah, just, uh, obviously a, a tragic loss, but like you guys said, he, he lived a, a wonderful life and was a guy that was maybe the best at what he did at, at several different things, whether it was coaching or, or announcing or, or starting a video game franchise. So, yeah, just, a. Uh, just an icon, like you guys said. Yeah. and it's, it's a tough, tough time to, to see him go, but it's been cool to kind of look back and, and watch and read some of the memories of him.
1: Are you struggling with a cold right now? My goodness, your voice is deep.
2: It's, uh, I've actually been very emotional over your departure from the show. That'll do so it. It's, uh, it's been a lot of crying, um, a lot of screaming into a pillow. That'll um, do it. So, uh, uh, and maybe a little bit of a cold too on that's top That's right. That. Um, so, yeah. Uh,
1: one day at a time. I mean, it'll, it'll get easier as days go by, Chris. Uh, I'll still be around town. So that's good news. Well, that's good. Um, Fred Hoiberg was on his own show last night on Sports Nightly talked about uh, Trey McGowan's. Uh looks like he'll be back on track maybe mid January with a foot injury. Uh Wilhelm Breidenbach uh is out with knee surgery, obviously. Uh will he get that red shirt back?
2: Uh no. Doesn't doesn't look like it. He could maybe apply for a medical red shirt. We'll see if that's that's the route they want to take. I I'm betting that decision is is still a long way from being made. They they probably want to see how the recovery goes first mm. and, and all those sorts of things. But yeah the only, the only possible route there is a medical redshirt. obviously you'd have a very good case for one and, and we'll see what it looks like here as as this thing kind of moves along
1: uh denim dawson the signee the 2022 signee moved into this class and now will begin practicing today right
2: yeah uh, arrived uh in lincoln on monday i believe sunday or monday had to pass his physical which he got taken care of yesterday and he can start practicing. He's going to redshirt this year. He won't play unless things just go completely haywire, and Nebraska's really short on players. But the plan is to right now kind of redshirt him for this second half of the season, still be able to practice with the team, travel with the team, do all those sorts of things, get a real taste of what college basketball is like, and and then kind of be ready to go as a as a quote-unquote freshman, Next year, and basically I have half a season of experience and practice and stuff under his belt. Okay. So it's kind of a good, a good spot for Denham Dawson to be in right now. So you can kind of get acclimated to, to college basketball without having to worry about you know having to go out and perform right away in a game.
3: Well, what's the idea behind that? Just to kind of jumpstart your career, because obviously this will take his red shirt away. So then he'll you know he won't be able to have that next year as opposed to waiting for the next class. But he's just he's ready to go.
2: Yeah, he's ready to go. You know, he was he was actually a 2021 recruit and decided to do a postgraduate year oh, okay. uh, after high school. And the idea behind that was he wanted to do a postgrad year in order to to raise his recruiting profile. And then what happens? Nebraska offers him a scholarship and he accepts, uh, basically within the span of a month. So, it, you know, in talking with his with his prep school coach, his post grad coach, with the Nebraska coaches, it kind of made sense. You know why. Why go the post grad route when when he can get a head start on his basketball college career and and get to Lincoln, and like I said, get acclimated and all those sorts of things? So yeah, that was kind of the the plan. He was going to do a postgraduate year this year. Then things just kind of worked out where he was able to get a scholarship that he wanted at a at a power conference school, and now he's going to, going to try and take his game to the next level.
1: Mentioned Fred Hoiberg on his own show last night. you talked to him as well. Gauge his mood. Where is he at right now? He called the uh, the performance against both Michigan and Auburn. Embarrassing, absolutely embarrassing. Uh, when talking to a caller last night, uh, but where is his confidence level as a coach? You think right now?
2: Tough question. You know, I, I think they played a little better against Kennesaw State. State that's one of the worst defensive teams in the country. And look, you, we all know what the schedule looks like going forward. Starting Sunday, it's it's going to be all Big Ten from here on in, and every night's going to be tough. There's no nights off, and we know Nebraska's zero six against Power Conference competition this year, and has looked pretty bad in a couple of those games. So I he, he says outwardly that he's confident in his team, and maybe he really believes that. But they've got to go out and perform at a better level than they have uh, against power conference competition. Yeah, and let's, let's also remember they, they had NC State beat, probably had a couple chances to win that game. They played fairly well against Indiana, just didn't make any shots. So there, there's some evidence there that Nebraska is going to be able to compete. But they've got to shoot the ball better. Um, you did it against Kennesaw State. Can you do that more consistently going forward? And I know we've talked about this before, but you know sometimes the, the, the simplest explanation is the best one. Nebraska simply has to shoot the ball better. They have to. They have to take better care of the ball. They have to rebound the ball better. But they have to shoot the ball better, or it's going to be a long, long, long winter. So we'll see what it looks like. I think Fred still likes his team. He knows he's going to get Trey McGowan's back here in probably two to three weeks or so. We'll see what that ends up looking like. That's certainly going to help with, on the toughness side of it. And that's certainly something this team could need. So we'll see what that looks like. But at the end of the day, this is the team Fred Hoiberg and Matt abdel Massey put together. And he's got to find a way, if he doesn't truly have it, he's got to find a way to have confidence in these guys going forward because this is who you have and, and you hope that the game against Kennesaw State was maybe a, a jump start for something going forward.
3: All right. And it's fascinating. uh, Obviously, the next two games are against top 25 opponents, Ohio State at home and then at Michigan State. Um, Obviously not going to be expected to win those games. But what what could a a shocking victory do for this team? Do you think that they're it's within them to to maybe get an upset and then get things rolling? uh, Or do you think that would be more of, of a one game sample size?
2: Yeah, you know, it's what we just talked about. It's confidence, right? You, we we've talked about these changes to the offense. Red Hover's talking about these changes to the offense. We, we need to change something up. We need to do something different. If those changes lead to a win Sunday or a win against Michigan State. Then that's proof to the players that hey, you know what? These changes worked, and we can do this. We can make this work with what we have. And look, there, there's 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 enough talent on this team to compete. I'm not saying Nebraska's is going to go win the Big Ten or anything like that, but there's talent enough on this roster to compete in the Big Ten and give yourself a chance most nights if you're able to play competent basketball. And at the end of the day, that's what it's going to come down to. So, yeah, if you're able to go out and win one of these two games, that all that does is, is give you proof of concept, right? It, it proves that what you're doing can work. It's proven that the changes you're making can work, and you, you can latch on to that going forward and try and turn it into something.
1: Chris Bassnett of the Lincoln Journal-Star covers Husker basketball, baseball, and football. For the Lincoln Journal star. We know the classes start January 18th. I would think it would be fairly important to have a quarterback by then. Do you think Nebraska will?
2: I think so. Yeah, I, I think you'll see things move pretty quickly here over the next couple of weeks as more and more of these bulls start to get wrapped up. You know, Part of this, too, is maybe those last couple of coaching hires, what are those going to look like, too? Not that not that you need to make, get those coaching hires made to get, the, to get a quarterback out of the transfer portal, but just having that stability on staff. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's going to move pretty quickly. You you obviously want to get those guys here, get them on campus, get them enrolled, and, and have them be able to go through spring ball and all those sorts of things. You need as much time with them as you can get. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of the magic date, that January 18th date. I, I think you're going to see a lot of movement between now and then.
3: Are are you as frustrated with uh, what well, a lot of people are getting pretty frustrated with the bowl cancellations? Um, but at the same point, I you know I, I don't know what what more could be done, especially like with, last night if it's done at the last minute. I just don't know. I I understand the frustration, but I I see some people lashing out and wanting uh, something to be done. I don't I don't know what to do.
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's just the world we live in, right? And it, unfortunately, it, it, does it suck? Yeah, absolutely, it sucks. It's it's no fun. And that was something else Fred Hoiberg touched on last night to to kind of take take a look at it from a different angle. This stuff's going to be inevitable uh, for for the foreseeable future. There's going to be postponements. There's going to be cancellations, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, whether it's anything else. We've seen it across every sport, uh, whether it's professional, whether it's college. Uh, whatever you want to look at, it's you don't have to like it, but but it is what it is right now, and we it's just something we have to live with. And I know we've been living with it now for a couple of years, and it's it's frustrating, and it's no fun. And and I hate it as much as anybody. As someone who who works in this yeah. business, covering sports, I hate it as much as anybody else. But at the end of the day, this is this is the hand we've been dealt. The, the these are the rules that these teams have to follow, and this is what we have to deal with. So yeah, it's no fun. But I don't know if there is a good solution right now until we can can move past this pandemic in one way or another and figure out a way to, to live with it or eradicate it. So we'll we'll see what the future holds. I know it's no fun right now, but unfortunately, this is the world we live
1: in. Chris Bassett of the Lincoln Journal Star, I guess. It, it's, I guess what's weird for me is everybody has their own protocols. So you could yeah. cancel based on your own protocols. John Calipari, I think, has said, hey, we've all been vaccinated. All the players, all the coaches have been vaccinated. So if they're not showing symptoms, we're good. I mean, that's completely different from what you're hearing throughout college basketball. They're just leaving it up to the individual conferences and schools to make the decision. That seems awkward to me.
2: Yeah, and that's the hard part about college athletics, right? There's 358 Division One teams spread across 30-some-odd conferences. You know, there's no – How are you going to police that with one uniform blanket policy? I just don't know how you do it. You know, and it's probably a little easier in the NBA or the NHL or or the NFL where you're dealing with 30-some odd teams in each of those sports, and and you can regulate it a little better, but college sports are just so massive with so many athletes, and you know, we talk about basketball and football. That doesn't even mention all the other sports that are going on right now that maybe don't get the attention. You're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of athletes and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different teams, so... It's just, in my mind, it's just so difficult to have a, a blanket policy, and I don't know what the right answer is, and I don't know if there is a good answer. That's what makes it, like you said, so awkward uh, for for coaches, for players, for fans, for everybody, because I don't know that there's a good way to do it. Just because the numbers are so huge, it makes it hard to to kind of pick one way and go in that direction.
3: Well, one thing that will make people feel better is that the SEC is zero for four in the bowl games so yes. far. Uh, that's been a problem. Does that make you uh, make you doubt them having two teams in the playoffs, or or maybe the top of the SEC is still pretty good? You know,
2: I, I think we all know Georgia's really really good, <laughs> right? We, and we know Alabama's really really good. That doesn't mean any of those other teams in the conference are worth a darn. But but I think those are those are two pretty good teams. We'll see what it looks like when those playoff games get here. And again, these are. One game sample sizes. You can probably take some conclusions out of them, and maybe some some conclusions are, are a little bit of a reach. So I don't know, but okay. yeah, look, it's we've been we've been watching this for for years and years and years and years now, right? We yeah. we see the SEC teams lose these bowl games and it's all it's always well they just didn't want to be there. They didn't care and, and this, that and the other thing. And then you look at the SEC slogan it's it's just it just means more, right? Well, apparently it just means more until you lose a bowl game and it did mean that much. So, <laughs> doesn't it, I think that's just kind of where it is right yeah. now. I I think Alabama and Georgia are two really good teams. That that doesn't mean the rest of the conference is, is that is close to
1: those two. With all these games being canceled, the bowl games being canceled and even a major bowl games with guys opting out i mean did you ever think you'd seen the see the day where ohio state would have four guys i know they're first rounders a couple of those guys maybe three of them are first rounders but have three guys opting out of a, a rose bowl as much as the big 10 celebrates the rose bowl
2: yeah that's that's wild to me and and I, i'm not going to go steve simple and go on a full-on soapbox rant about it it, it is what it is it's <laughs> it's you know the it's those guys decision But yeah, I, you know, I grew up like everybody else, you know, you watch the Rose Bowl and you watch the pageantry of it. and You think, man, what a, what an honor it would be to play in that game and, and, and those sorts of things. And that's, I mean, the world's just changed. College, college football has just changed. People have changed. Kids have changed, you know, and that's, that's what, that's what happens in every walk of life. Not just, not just college sports. So yeah, it's, I never thought I would see the day when that happens. I think the Rose Bowl is still obviously a, a seminal event uh, on the college football calendar and a very important event, but like I said, the world's changed. Things are just different right now, and, and now you're seeing guys decide they, they don't want to play and get ready for their NFL careers.
1: Uh, well, I'm sorry you got so sick after you heard about my departure from the ticket. Chin up. I'll be back someday. Just uh, one day at a time, Chris.
2: That's all we can do. It's just, just put one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward.
1: That's right. Uh, Chris Bastet of the Lincoln Journal. Happy New Year, buddy. Um, hey,
2: Happy New Year, guys. Appreciate you always having me on. Love have love talking to you over the years, and I hope we get to do it again soon.
1: Uh, Chris Bastet of the Lincoln Journal. Star. Let's get to break. Talk to Rico, and the blog jog is on the way next.
2: You're listening to Tom and Bach. Watch live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch.